0: another crazy week of minor league baseball in the books it was a wild one in the indian system it featured a little bit of rain in some places uh some late nights whether you were in akron columbus uh lake county for sure lynchburg i think Got away with the easiest schedule this week. We'll touch on all that and more. I'm Justin Latta. This is the Farm Report from IBI. I'm joined by Jacob Benjley. Jacob, thanks for coming back and doing this again. How was the last homestand uh, in Columbus for you?
1: Hey, Justin, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back on the podcast. I think, you know, last week Columbus was able to open up full capacity at Huntington Park. And so I went on Tuesday, the first day of um, Having Huntington Park back to full capacity, and it and it really seemed like they achieved that and more. I believe the total uh, attendance was around 9,800, um, and so that really I think contributed to their uh, play on the field. You know, Columbus was able to take four of six from Toledo, uh, kind of taking um, their hot streak that they had in Iowa and brought it back home, and now they got St. Paul this week, um, kind of turning things around because they ended May on a little bit of a down note, and so here in the middle of June they're starting to heat up. The bats certainly. Um, paced their play last week. Andres Jimenez got a lot of the headlines there and certainly was rounded out by guys like Mercado and uh, Owen Miller's return. Nolan Jones even played in some good ball. Pitching starting to come around a little bit as well. The bullpen, I think, in my opinion, still outweighing their starting pitching. But uh, Columbus, for sure, uh, seems to be on the upward swing here.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Andres Jimenez for a second here. Six home runs this week. Not bad for a guy who who's calling card, really isn't power. What seems to be going on that you can maybe point to that's kind of fueling this hot streak right now? Anything that stands out?
1: Absolutely. You know, Andres, you know, I think when his first stint with Columbus there in May, he was getting a feel for AAA pitching, and now it seems like he's really figured it out a little bit. I think for him in particular, uh, on Tuesday or Thursday night, one of the games I was at, he had a home run in the first inning. Um, and he went back-to-back with Owen Miller. And so I think with Andres, he's getting really aggressive. He's swinging early in the counts. He's swinging early in the game just in general. Um, and he's kind of carrying from at-bat to at-bat. He's put together these streaks of home runs. He had two multi-hit games to start the series last week against Toledo. Um, he had a three-hit game um, two days ago on Saturday. And so for Jimenez, you know, he's starting to really come around, and he's hitting above in the lineup. So these pitchers are starting to um, offer him balls over the plate, and he's just making a pay for it.
0: Yeah, a six-home-run week is is really interesting to hit for him. Um, Still a very aggressive hitter, still running a high strikeout rate. Um, But in the month of June, down in Columbus, uh, 250 with an 877 OPS, 22 strikeouts, four walks. So the approach, like you said, he's swinging early in counts. Approach is still really aggressive, but hopefully he's not, you know, getting himself out of his natural game and and trying to, you know, dig for some power. Maybe you'd like to see a little bit of – patience from him you know he's not really a guy who's ever been known for his power he's got a really good swing um strikeout rate was up a little bit this year in cleveland uh from where it was last year in in new york maybe like to see some more of those walks but you know you'll take the production where you can get it i don't think anybody ever saw him as a guy who would hit six home runs in a week certainly not the first guy you would point to uh, on that columbus roster to carry out that kind of feat and the guy who has been just as hot as Andres Jimenez uh, has been Oscar Mercado. Oscar Mercado's month of June um, has just been otherworldly. And unfortunately, he got hit in the head on Sunday by a pitch. Uh, came out of the game for two at-bats. That's unfortunate. We hope he's okay. Uh, certainly would not be great to, you know for him to be playing this well and going down. 1,096, or 1096 OPS, 309 at-batting average, five home runs, a double, six steals this month. What is behind Oscar Mercado's success this month?
1: Absolutely, Justin. You pointed it out. His May, you know, he only hit 170 in May, and now he's coming out and he's torching hitters. And he, he's played consistently as the leadoff hitter in Columbus's uh, order, kind of as the table setter. And really, he's hitting balls in the gaps. He had three doubles last week against Toledo. Uh, he had two multi-hit games. He's, he drew a couple of walks as well, and, you know, his strikeout numbers, he's, you know, drawing a strikeout per game, but he's also getting the bat on the ball a little bit more. He's driving the ball more, it seems like, um, compared to watching him in May um, where he had 17 strikeouts only compared to nine walks. And so for him, he's finding the gaps and he's running out these balls. He's not afraid to take that extra base. Um of course, that boosts his, his numbers a little bit. It's got to boost his morale. It's something that uh, – you know, last week I got to go in the dugout there and see what this Columbus team is like after a win and see what their energy levels are like. And he's another one of those guys where he's he's giving his guys these high fives and he's carrying out things with a smile. And so for Oscar Mercado, he, I think he's feeling himself a little bit. Uh, you know, if you're hitting well and you're finding the gaps, legging out these extra bases, it just continues. And for him, he's carrying it from game to game. And like like I said, he had two multi-hit games last week. He scored three runs in one of those. And so he's uh, he's definitely finding his groove right now.
0: So you think his confidence has kind of shot back up? Because that was one of the major issues with him was um, you know just feeling like things weren't working out for him. He was having a hard time being confident in his game, and that led to a tough 2020. I mean, 2020 was tough for everybody, obviously, on athletes as well. Um, but in spring training, that kind of carried over, and he was talking about you know the mental side of the game was really tough for him last year, and he's trying to find a way out of that funk. And So it, so- it sounds like you're saying he looks much more confident he's playing like it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Manager Andy Tracy sticking with him there at the leadoff spot, getting him consistent at bats in the outfield and having that level of trust. And, you know, to know your manager is going to slot you in, whether you have a a tough game, because that's how baseball operates and whether you're on a hot streak. And now that's what Mercado is riding here. And, you know, he's putting together good at bats. And like I mentioned, if you're finding the gaps, you're able to leg him out. And so, um, you know, that morale boost is something that Mercado is really kind of hinging on right now.
0: I don't know where he fits in in Cleveland right now. I mean, Harold Ramirez is playing very well for Cleveland. Uh, you have Eddie Rosario, who's an everyday player. Josh Naylor plays right field. You have Franville Reyes on the men, which we'll get to. Um, Bradley Zimmer is up. I'm having a hard time feeling. I mean, do you think that he's playing well? I, don't, I mean, Zimmer's getting on base it's on for Cleveland. He's doing a good job. I think his on-base percentage is somewhere near Gosh, it's got to be close to the 400s if it's not. It's 379 right now. He's hitting for almost no power. Do you think that there's an argument to be made that maybe Zimmer needs to be sent back down the AAA and Mercado deserves a second look here soon?
1: Uh, it's certainly pro- possible. You know, guys riding hot streaks. I think for Bradley Zimmer, he's another one of those guys who – I may have mentioned it a few weeks ago when I was on the podcast. Somebody was overdue to come up to Cleveland and see what he could put together at the major league level, and that and that's something that Mercado could also use. Uh, I liked him in St. Louis. I think I said this a few, few weeks back as well. But uh, he's got the tools. You know, he's he's speedy. He plays really good roving and rangy outfield there, and you know that's something that I think Cleveland's need is some consistent outfield play. Um, and for Bradley Zimmer, he's probably another one of those guys who just needs to continue to see major league pitching. But where are you going to find the at bats for him? You know, once Mill Reyes gets back and that uh just adds another name to that mix and so for Mercado I think um perhaps if Cleveland's looking to find somebody and kind of mix up you know some of their voodoo a little bit and you know guys riding confidence builders because Cleveland's kind of in my opinion they're overperforming their expectations especially in that AL Central division with you know Chicago White Sox uh in the mix there who were kind of you know pinned as the favorite in that division so uh, I think for Mercado, getting another shot at the big league level would definitely just add to his morale that's obviously sky high um, right now for him.
0: Yeah, I could see a scenario where those two get swapped. I mean Zimmer, Zimmer is hitting two forty one again on basis in three seventy-nine, but a thirty-seven percent strikeout rate, maybe there's a maybe there's some room there to say that the strikeouts are too detrimental. Uh, Mercado's playing but I mean Zimmer was playing, you know, good before he got called up, certainly didn't have a stretch like this, but I almost feel like Zimmer's call up was more out of a necessity versus um, something they wanted to do. And if they made the swap for maybe Zimmer from Mercado, it's something they see in Mercado. Um, if they decide that's the better route to go, that also I mean also could play in that, you know handedness too. Zimmer's left hand kind of balances out the lineup a little bit there. I don't say so they're they're not really right handed heavy, I guess, but. Um, the outfield's I and mean, the outfield's just kind of a mess anyway. I mean, you never know who's in there day to day. And then, like we said, Fernando Reyes is coming back uh, real quick. That Jordan Luplo, his he had one rehab start with Columbus. That was on the road, correct?
1: Uh, I believe so. I think he was another one of those guys who was tabbed last week as someone who's going to make an appearance in Columbus uh, with the home team. But once they kind of determined that he might not be too ready yet, I think they transferred him on the injured list. If I'm correct. Um, but he was just somebody who never really could get it going and just looked like he needed more time to continue rehabbing and kind of healing up a little bit.
0: Okay. Nobody, I'm, I'm guessing nobody has mentioned that down in Columbus. He's probably on the shelf for the time being. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll get to more of that with Columbus. Let's run through a few more keynotes. George Valera continues to be on a tear. Uh, since coming back, he is really tearing things up in, in Lake County. I think, uh, This is the best stretch we've seen in his pro career. 348 average, uh, 642 slugging, two homers, four RBIs. Really good to see from him. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez has been an absolute nightmare uh, for teams in Akron or in in the, uh, I guess, the the league formerly known as the Eastern League that doesn't exist anymore. But um, he had another red-hot week this week, and he's hitting 312 with a 903 OPS total on the year, nine strikeouts. If the, if the outfield wasn't so backed up in Columbus, I would say that uh, – well, there's actually two guys in that now that I think about it. Alex Collin and, and, and Oscar Gonzalez both are playing well enough to have earned a promotion to Columbus. But with the outfield rotation right now in Columbus is, what, Daniel Johnson, um, uh, Oscar Mercado. Yeah, Connor Maribel. So do you think there's room for somebody to come up there?
1: I think uh, with the way – Tracy manages in Columbus he moves guys around a lot you see Nolan Jones in right field some days who could add to that outfield mix or he's at third base or Maribell from left to first base you know I think Oscar Gonzalez the way he's torched you know double-a pitching and I remember watching him when he was with the lake County captains and he was one of those few guys that in batting practice could put a home run right on top of that scoreboard there in Dayton which is a really good shot and so it's nice to see uh, Oscar Gonzalez's development um, you know really progress in the right direction and I think you know, that's one bat that Columbus is kind of um, maybe even lacking that since Bobby Bradley's promotion is just a power threat bat. And so I think um, if he continues to just torch double-A pitching, he might be on the fast track to Columbus for some consistent at-bats um, if he continues to put them together and hit as well as he has uh, with acting.
0: Yeah, and the only first basing they really have, well, I guess I guess Connor Maribel has played some first base. I don't know if he has this year, but I know Trenton Brooks has kind of taken over for that since Bobby Bradley got promoted. And Gonzalez is a guy, I mean, I I don't know if you saw him play the field back when he was at Lake County visiting Dayton. uh, The outfield is not really his strong suit. I would say fielding in in general is not his strong suit. So I kind of wonder if maybe a switch to first base, I I don't know if they'll do it middle of the year, but uh, it certainly would be something that um, could be, could be worth looking into um, as a fit on Columbus's roster. Just like you said, they, they, I mean Trenton Brooks has played there and I think I kind of feel like the only reason Connor Maribel is there right now is because if they didn't have Connor Maribel I know he's hit better this homestand but you know look at his age and um, just where he fits in this on this in this organization long term I kind of feel like he's there because he's kind of the backup first baseman and they could they just need that right now and if they had somebody else there maybe he wouldn't have access to the playing time he has and good for him playing well obviously but it just i have a hard time looking at him and feeling like he's a a long-term fit with this organization really
1: yeah absolutely i can definitely agree with that logic you know Connor Maribel's 27 years old and a got like oscar oscar gonzalez 23 years old still got plenty of time left in his career and you know with gonzalez's frame you know he's close to 6'4 240 250 somewhere in that ballpark and so that kind of fits the mold for a first baseman there so Uh, If Cleveland's organization decides to take a look, I certainly would definitely sign on the dotted line moving Oscar to first base to get him even more consistent at-bats. I think for Maribel, as we were kind of touching on there, he's heated up a lot recently. It was really tough for me two weeks ago for me to pick Trenton Brooks as the player of the week, even though um, Maribel hit 500 in a week, and I think it's just because he had 16 at-bats. But he also drew some walks too, so uh, I think for him, he's getting more consistent at-bats because uh, that outfield situation in Columbus has been a bit of a carousel, and – um, he's hit well of late but um you know his power numbers are down um he's only got two home runs on the year he's only got six doubles and you know that makes up eight of his 28 hits and so um you know clock's kind of taken for maribel in my opinion and with oscar gonzalez um just being absolutely lights out in akron um maybe that's kind of you know maybe a monkey on maribel's back a little bit because as you mentioned he does have um a little bit more of an expedited process in trying to play well in triple a columbus
0: yeah, maybe some picks up if he plays well. I just kind of wonder. Maybe after the draft. Guys, I mean, guys, unfortunately, do get cut after the draft, and that could be something that pops up for him. But if he, like you said, keeps playing well, he takes notice, he finds somewhere else to play. But for right now, he's been a reliable – I mean, he's been a reliable figure for them for a couple of years. I just hasn't stood out, never really broke out the way people had thought. Um, I don't know, expect his career to end anytime soon. And not bad for a 25th-round pick, I mean – um, he's got over 584 games played in the minors for Cleveland um, over five seasons and a 700 OPS. Nothing to nothing to sneeze at, considering how hard baseball is. But I wonder if if there is better opportunities for Cleveland to take advantage of in Columbus. And one of those guys is Trenton Brooks. We kind of transition more to specifically to AAA um, today. Trenton Brooks. What, what do you make of him? Because you know, I I talked to Caleb. From Akron, and I and Willie and I have debated this. Um, he's a later later round pick as well, ninth round pick. He was a two way player in college, kind of a late bloomer at the power. What have you seen from him so far? Because I, I, it's hard to know what to make of him as a prospect because he is older and was never really considered a big time prospect. But now, in the last couple of years, he's put up phenomenal numbers. It's getting harder to ignore what he's doing, especially considering that he's. Done it at Akron, which is a hard place to hit. And now he's doing it in AAA, which in Columbus, which is obviously an easier place to hit. But, you know, he hasn't really missed a beat since the promotion.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I was doing a little bit of research on Brooks in particular, I saw his on-base percentage was way up over that 40% mark. It was close to like 43%, um, 44%. And so that'll play, uh, especially. And as you mentioned, coming to Columbus to play at home for the first time, I was intrigued to see If he could continue that home run here, he had like a two-homer game in Iowa, but uh, he only had one homer uh, in Huntington Park uh, last week. He managed to, I think, scrape one double as well, and so not the power numbers I expected for him, um, unlike for a guy like Jimenez we were talking about earlier in the the segment here, but uh, I think for Brooks, he's just a patient guy at the plate. Um, He managed a couple of walks, I believe three walks last week compared to just two strikeouts, and so he waits for his pitch at the plate, and uh, when he gets rolling, he's another one of those guys um, who kind of hinges on momentum. He went three for five uh, on Saturday with a double and a home run, uh, drove in two runs, and so I think he just waits for his pitch a little bit, and you know that might get him to fall behind in a little bit of counts and then have to kind of choke up a little bit, two-strike counts, put the ball, uh, bat on the ball. Um, but for him, I think his patience stands out to me. Um, picking this pitch out, and then when he does pick it out, he just lays the wood on it. He finds the gaps. Um, he can put out, put the ball out of the ballpark, and you know his on base percentage speaks for itself. He's patient enough to wait it out, and if the pitcher doesn't give him the pitch, he'll take, he'll take first base.
0: One thing I have noticed about him, and just going by stats, because obviously I've not seen him play in a couple of years, is that his pull percentage has gone up this year. So I kind of wonder, like you said, he's waiting for his pitches, being more patient. Is that pitch he's waiting on something he feels like he can drive to right field? Just because he's pulling the ball more this year, he's always hit a ton of fly balls. Um, the couple of balls you've seen him hit, does it look like he's looking to pull the ball? Has he gone the opposite field?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think um, last week in particular, there were several, you know, gap shots hit off the wall in right field in Huntington Park, and I think that's obviously a case for right-handed hitters. I remember Owen Miller hit one off the right field wall. Uh, last week, and it just looks like he's going with the pitch. But with Trenton looks, uh, I watched him play a little bit at first base there earlier last week because he got more consistent at-bats coming into the series against Toledo. Um, As you mentioned, he is is patient. Um, I think getting those inside pitches and allowing him to just move his hands in closer uh, to his body instead of just extending out to those outer portions of the zone uh, where the pitchers are kind of nibbling there out. Um, So he's kind of just spitting on those outside pitches and waiting for that inside pitch, as you mentioned. Uh, to pull that ball um, towards the right field. Uh, Wall, right field, you know, that home run territory. And, you know, it is a short portion there in Columbus. Um, Left field, right field, all the same. And so for a guy like Brooks, he's waiting on that inside pitch to just get his hands in there quick um, and just pull it down the right field line, uh, given he's a left-handed hitter.
0: Yeah, those gaps are easy to shoot. It is a hitter's ballpark, but I'm, you know, everyone's got to hit the same up there. And um, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to, to determine power when you got guys hitting in a park like cunnington park and see how that's going to translate to the big league level um see if the park's kind of full in you at the time oh. so who knows uh you mentioned owen miller uh not been great yeah. since he got sent back down and that's not uncommon you know his big league appearance did not go well was not playing a lot before he got sent back down a little bit overmatched but do you, do you see anything with him since he's been sent back down? Do you guys talk to him at all just to kind of get a look at, you know, why it's, it's been six games. Anything can, can happen. I know he's got a home run and a double, but um, is there anything to, to it so far in the six games you think that looks different about him than when he was, you know, tearing up the A pitching up, uh, down there the first time around?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Owen Miller was a guy that I had tapped to speak with once the interview Uh, did open up there in the Columbus dugout. And Darren, I talked with him on Thursday night after he reached in all five of his plate appearances, and I asked him just what did he learn from that 15-game stint with the Indians. And he said, you know, it was kind of getting back to his fundamentals because at the big league level with the best players uh, in the world all competing in that one league, you know, they can punch you in the stomach a little bit. They can overmatch you with your stuff, and you can kind of be humbled a little bit. And so with Owen Miller, um, you know, aside from that Thursday performance where he reached in all five plate appearances – um, he was able to draw a walk, but struck out in these last three games of the series that he played in. Um, wasn't able to really get the bat on the ball a little bit. And so I think for him, you know, it's just kind of trying to regain that confidence, you know. Remember him torching pitching at the start of the, the, start of the season, hitting over 400. Um, and just, you know, this is the reason why he got the call-up. But I think for him now that he's back in AAA and he kind of knows that, you know, Cleveland trusts him a little bit. They brought him up. He mentioned, you know, that this is a game that he loves to play. And so he'll do whatever it takes you know, to get back up uh, with Cleveland. And, you know, I asked him about his versatility because he did get to play all the spots in the infield with the Indians. And so, um, you know, that was just one thing that he talked about was, you know, whether it's playing shortstop, second base, playing one of the corner infield spots, you know, he's just trying to focus on the fundamentals of the game, um, you know, what makes him good. And so with his bat kind of um, cooling off a little bit, I think with Owen Miller, it's just for him, in his own words, sticking to his fundamentals. Um, finding his streak that he found in May that earned him his call-up.
0: Yeah, too good of a hitter to be struggling like this. And again, playing in six games, he said there was a reach base five times. So he'll be just fine. Not uncommon for guys to struggle when they get sent back down. It was a tough, tough role for him up there. Um, Just wonder if he was maybe promoted before he was ready, because it seemed like, you know, he was getting two hits almost every single night before he got called up. And I think he only got called up because Fran him, got hurt. I almost feel like he would have benefited from, not necessarily struggling, but you know when you, you know it's a new season. There's a lot of new players in AAA because of the pandemic last year. I almost wonder if it would have been better for him to play in Columbus. He played well early and maybe struggle a little bit. You know, maybe it was that was his first time in AAA. So if maybe the league figured him out a little bit and he had some scouting reports on him that that uh, made him struggle a little bit in Columbus and find his way back from, from cooling off before going up to the major leagues, you know, to, to be as hot as he was as a hitter in Columbus to go up to Cleveland and, and just be facing major league pitching for the first time, go ice cold is like you said, it's a kick in the gut. I, I just kind of wonder if maybe he would have benefited from going through some of those struggles in Columbus for the first time and helping himself snap out of that um, and have that little taste of failure and know how to work his way back before going up to Cleveland. That's something I can really think of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just looking at Miller's kind of game logs here, he was playing at Toledo with Columbus before his call up to Cleveland. And so that, perhaps that's a curious question mark right there. You know, maybe Toledo pitching, who had already seen him once for a series, kind of figured him out once they got to travel to Columbus and play him at his home ballpark and catch him on that demotion there. You know, that's probably something that sticks in a player's head. But I think for Owen Miller, like you mentioned, he's too good of a hitter um, to fall on a slump like this. And so I'm curious now, Facing a new team uh, in St. Paul next week. See if he can kind of recatch that fire that he had at the start of the season. Because as you mentioned, he's got so many three-hit games, two-hit games, um, reaching base several times in the game. Just way too good of a hitter uh, to fall in a slump that hopefully ex- doesn't exceed more than one series.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he'll get it back on track soon. guy who's got things back on track in a big way is Nolan Jones. Uh, month of June, 892 OPS. A uh, couple of homers, a bunch of doubles. 10 RBI, 14 strikeouts, 11 walks. Also, curiously, four stolen bases. Not something I expected to see uh, on his stat line. Uh, What have you seen from Nolan Jones this month that looks a lot better than the month of May?
1: Yeah, I think Nolan Jones is a guy, when I went down to the dugout, you could see him smiling. And he's interacting with the fans, whether it's inside the dugout uh, after the game or he's in right field. I noticed he's turning around towards the fans during, you know, in between pitches and all that kind of stuff. And then he translates that to the plate. I believe he's on a four-game hitting streak. Um, You know, he had a home run also during the series on Friday. Um, He's just a guy who, you know, at the beginning of the season, triple pitching just just had his number a little bit, kind of leading the league up there in strikeouts. And, you know, while those numbers are still a little bit uh, kind of where they were at the start of the season, he struck out um, four times this series uh, last week against Toledo. And so I think for him – Um, You know, just being able to figure out Triple-A pitching, unlike Triple-A pitching Having already figured out Nolan Jones Is what's really been his calling card uh, For the month of June And I think the speed factor, too Nolan Jones is a lanky guy Uh, Whether he's at third base or right field Six foot four is a huge frame Um, So getting those big extra strides for him um, It's kind of peculiar He's got four stolen bases and only three homers this season Could you have imagined that (laughs) Heading into the minor league season for Nolan Jones?
0: Yeah, if you would have told me about the month of June that Nolan Jones had more steals than home runs, I would have said something's going really wrong. Yeah. But it's all happening this month. He's hitting well and he's stealing bases. So that's a that's an interesting development. We'll see if that sticks. Um Yeah, like you just said, the 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 league kind of figured him out or had had the book on him early on or uh, exposed some of his weaknesses, and it looks like he's kind of figured things out. As a young player, there it's all—it's always good for these guys. As part of the development, is for them to struggle and then work their way out of it. And hence, what he did so far. Uh, how about right field for him? Have you seen him in right field at all? We might have talked about this last time on the podcast, but um, a cohort of mine over at Prospects Live got to see him out in Iowa play some right field, and the report that he had on him from that game was not great. Uh, just saying, he just looks very inexperienced out there and has taken some bad route to the baseball. Uh, at times as a right fielder. Have you seen him in the outfield uh, much?
1: Yeah, I have seen Nolan Jones play right field, I believe, two or three times this season. It is it, something, you know, I believe Nolan Jones is an infielder uh, once he gets up to the big leagues, whether, whether it's third base or even first base. I think he can play that much better than in right field. Although, you know, these stolen bases kind of prove he has a little bit of speed in there. It just doesn't look like right field's his natural spot. I mean, you know, I believe I remember watching him um, kind of try and track down a ball that was tailing towards foul territory, and then ended up bouncing into fair territory and took him a little while to get into the corner there at Huntington Park and you know, trying to figure out, um, you know, whether lining up with the uh, cutoff man or throwing it in the second base. It just – Nolan Jones, you know, right field is a little bit of a learning experience for him, and, you know, I think if Columbus or Cleveland could just, you know, keep him in the infield and just, um, you know, kind of rely on him in the infield more and, you know, kind of end that outfield experiment maybe – um, it would just probably, you know, boost Nolan Jones' morale a little bit, you know, knowing that he's an infielder and he doesn't have to worry about his glove affecting his overall play. Um, it just, you know, right field to me, Nolan Jones isn't going to be his future spot.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I When when Cleveland drafted him, he was drafted as a shortstop. Obviously, it was, was too big to be a shortstop in the pros. Um, his first few weeks in Lake County – as a third baseman, were not good. He was very raw defensively at third base, didn't have a ton of range. Um, the arm is the only thing he really had, and and he worked with John McDonald a lot. I mean, a lot to become a good third baseman. I wouldn't say he's a Gold glove wearer at third base, but he is someone who I think will be able to play third base on an everyday basis and not, um, not be a negative defensively. So, you know, maybe an average defender he's just a big dude. And and the concern for me would be just him being too big for the position. And that's where first base kind of comes in. I had concerns about right field for him. Um, He has the arm for it. I'm sure you've seen that. I just maybe, maybe it's something that'll take time. You know, like I said, it took time for him to figure it out at third base. And he did maybe outfield would be the same way. I think the only way he breaks into the majors this season, especially would be the outfield. Now that Bobby Bradley is up. Um, I'm just. It's. An, I think it's an interesting decision that he has played. And correct me if I'm wrong. He's played mostly third and right field. It's been very few games at first base. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I believe that's correct as well. You know, he's getting a lot of his share at third base. I've seen. I've seen him also. You know, start at right field and come in at third base. Uh, I believe after Gabriel Aris's ejection, so he's played both in one game before. Um, I don't think I've seen him play first base this year.
0: Yeah, I, I'm very curious and interested to see why they. Had not had him at first base much because Bobby Bradley's up now, and I'm sure they're going to want to get a good look at him at first base now. But um, the outfield's so crowded, and then an outfield hasn't gone that well for Jones, who, like you said, maybe it's not his future position. Obviously, he's not going to come up as a third base when Jose Ramirez around. I thought maybe they'd try him at first base a little bit more because that's a spot he could have maybe impacted this year uh, at some point. But they've seen it, they've kind of, I kind of feel like they've given up on that experiment and they're hoping things work out in the outfield. But I guess we'll keep an eye on at the bat. Doesn't seem too far away. Uh, you mentioned they took four to six against Toledo. Uh, how about some updates on Logan Allen and Tristan McKenzie? They both pitched in that series, and, and I don't know, I can't remember off the top of my head if they won the games they pitched, but um, I do know that Logan Allen said that his last start was something he feels like he can build upon, and I know Tristan McKenzie had a really rough first inning, his net last start down there, but he recovered. So um, any updates on just how they did this past week?
1: Yeah, so both, uh, you know, Tristan McKenzie, as you mentioned, that first inning of his start, he allows that leadoff homer to Jacoby Jones, you know, major league hitter with Detroit. He was down off the 40-man with the Tigers. And then he walked three consecutive batters. You know, he just didn't look like he trusted his stuff, his command. Obviously, was out of whack, and so – uh, When I talked with him after the game, he mentioned Rigo Beltran, the pitching coach for Columbus, came out and kind of told him, hey, just lock it in. You know, you got stuff that these hitters don't have anything to offer for you, you know, in his words. And so then he rebounded incredibly well, you know, striking out the next three hitters and then four uh, in total, carrying into the second inning. It just looks like he trusted his stuff. And he mentioned he wanted to get ahead in counts. And so going back and looking at each of the at-bats in his three innings there in his start on Thursday, he was getting ahead in counts. He was getting those first couple of strikes. Uh, not falling behind by very much. Um, and I think his pitch count just kind of, uh, you know, just cut him off there going deeper than three innings. Um, and so for McKenzie, uh, I think it was a really big sign that he was able to just settle down after walking the bases loaded, no outs after that leadoff off homer. Um, you know, it was just one of those tough situations. Logan Allen, on the other hand, uh, you mentioned he did win his start um, last week, and he went um, he went four innings, which is the second longest for the um, – I believe it's, like, the fourth longest of his outings, and recently he's only gone, like, two innings. He's got a six-inning start uh, here and there. But it, it's a good sign for Logan Allen. He started the year really rough. Um, he allowed, you know, a home run. He walked two, but he struck out four. He was just a guy who, you know, he has that stuff. That's why Cleveland traded for him. Um, but hitters are kind of uh, just starting to, you know, fall behind on Logan Allen's stuff. He's a guy, he's a left-handed arm that I've liked, even with um, him in the Padres organization. And so, um, you know just settling in after um, some of these rougher starts you know he's had some of these six inning outings now he's had a four inning outing and you know um, he's just a guy who needs to trust his stuff a little bit more I'd love to talk to him and see kind of what he's thinking about his own performance in play you know after talking with Tristan and saying that if he can trust his stuff and you know get ahead of hitters um, that's ultimately what's going to allow him to you know prevail in those at-bats and so I think for Logan Allen um, you know, going four innings and deeper into a game, and knowing that he's trusted and his stuff's working is just going to show him um, that he can, you know, play deeper into ball games.
0: Did you get a good look at the velocity on either of them in those starts, did, especially Tristan McKenzie?
1: Yeah, for McKenzie, I believe he was kind of, you know, he's also a guy with his velocity who's kind of been highly rated. I don't believe his velocity kind of cranked up over 94, 95 uh, for McKenzie. And he's got that big lanky frame um, that will kind of allow for him to crank it up a little bit. I think for McKenzie, though, what it, uh, intrigued me a little bit is his braking stuff touched, I believe, 77 on the radar gun and sat in the mid to low 80s, and so he's mixing a little bit. The fastball is not running up. It's not you know, one of these you know, 97, 98, 99 heaters, um, and that start in particular, um, which is kind of a little bit of an intriguing flag there for me, um, but it just looked like he was kind of relying more on his control command when he fell behind a little bit that early first inning and um, didn't really run up the gun. Hmm.
0: Well, we'll keep an eye on that. I don't know when he'll come back. I mean, they might need him again soon, but uh, his last start in Cleveland, they said they're going to keep him up and it went so poorly. They just sent him back down even though they needed starters. So I guess they really feel like he needs to work on stuff in Columbus and uh, certainly can't afford to have out. I mean, I know know his last outing was good overall because he rebounded, but the way he started that game, there's less margin for error in Cleveland and the major leagues when you have that kind of start. So definitely going to be something that they're going to have to work on with him down there. Um, how about a, how about a good look at a Gabriel Arias? This is something I've been keeping track of because I haven't seen him more than video. Um, his walk rate is up to 13% this year, which is a career high for him, uh, in a big way. And his, this is his first test at triple a, he basically skipped double a, um, and, and plate discipline and pitch recognition were a big issue for him. Um, what does that look like to you right now that he's walking? I mean, he's, I know he hasn't hit a ton. He's only hitting two thirty one, only has a three sixty six slug. Um, he's hit some majestic home runs, I know that. Um, but do you see him putting up good at-bats, good, long, deep at-bats uh, that are leading to that, that high walk rate?
1: Yeah, ultimately, he's kind of a, kind of like Trenton Brooks in a way. He's kind of patient, he tries to pick his pitch a little bit, you know, what stuck out to me, I got, I got to watch his ejection there on Thursday night, and he just didn't seem to uh, kind of believe himself in there at that bat. And, you know, kind of going deeper into that, he had laced one down the left field line, and, you know, home plate umpire uh, Matthew Bates was a little bit late on the call calling it foul and uh, watched Arias just walk down that first baseline. And so um, I think just overall for Arias, he has the tools. I mentioned it before uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I'm surprised he doesn't have a stolen base yet, but uh, he's reaching base at a higher clip, and, you know, ultimately – for a guy like him up in AAA, uh, perhaps they are t- telling him, you know, just pick your pitch, it's going to come. Your your hitting ability is obviously um, why you're here. Um, surprisingly enough for me, he's got the same amount of doubles as he has home runs, and that's four um, this year. And so to see him draw walks and to be patient at the plate, um, but when he does connect it, like you, meant, like you said, they're majestic home runs, they're majestic gap shots, um, and he's able to just put together consecutive games with hits. You know, I believe he's got hits – in about, like, you know, six or seven of his last eight. And so he's able to just string together these really good quality ABs um, night in and night out and then draw that walk, um, kind of counterbalancing those strikeout numbers.
0: Yeah, the quality of that bats is obviously, like I said, something really important for him just because of how aggressive he has been in the past and has a ton of power. Doesn't really run the base as well, but, I mean, just if he's able to get to that power and games, combine up that defense, he is an exciting prospect Um, How about the bullpen? I I know pitching has just been such a mess at Columbus at times uh, just because of injuries and and calling guys up to to Cleveland. What about the bullpen? You know, Anthony goes is back from, from the Olympics. And so is DJ Johnson. Uh, I know Stacy said the other other game that Anthony goes is still extremely erratic, but it looks like we might be seeing Francisco Perez coming to Columbus uh, in the next couple of days. And uh, I wonder about Nick Mikulajek as well. Um, is there room up in that bullpen I, I feel like there's just so many guys on that pitching staff right now that are that are there to eat innings Kevin Hurge and Heath Philmeyer and, and some of the other guys. Uh, do you see room for some some extra pitching help up there whether it's a starter or maybe a few relievers?
1: You know Justin, I think that's a really good question because I think Columbus after promoting Blake Parker up to the big league club, um, they've settled their late inning. Uh, relievers and Justin Garza and I think Danny Young's also gotten a little bit of a, like an eighth inning setup man guy and I like his left-handed arm Danny Young's really impressed me um, you know he's got 27k he's only uh, eight walks on the season um, and so he's somebody I like in the eighth inning and you know Justin Garza has just really excelled in my opinion his ERA is just astronomically low you know 0. 0.46 on the year that's ridiculous um, so for a guy uh, coming into uh, Columbus's uh, bullpen there it's gonna have a little bit of trouble, you know, finding consistent innings just because as you mentioned, they got so many guys in there, whether it's, you know, Matt Cock or Kevin Hergett, um, and then DJ Johnson, who I got to watch on Thursday, just have an absolutely shut down ninth inning. You know, he was just blowing hit- hitters away with his ninety six mile an hour fastball, ninety seven mile an hour fastball. And so there's so many electric arms. And as you mentioned, Anthony Ghost is somebody I haven't even talked about. Um, I like his intrigue, you know, his fastball. Um, can play a little bit as long as he commands it in the zone. Um, it just really depends on who can, you know, not allow runs. And so um, that's kind of Columbus's, you know, calling card in a sense. If you're a bullpen guy, uh, Heath Philmeyer's gotten some starts. Kevin Erjad's gotten some starts when they're having bullpen games because Columbus also has a little bit of an issue with their starting pitchers. Um, it's just a really crowded bullpen situation. Um and I think Columbus is starting to figure out who's who and who's really reliable, especially late in the game with Danny Young and Justin Garza, who – I've been really,
0: really impressed with so far this year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought Justin Garza up. I've long thought he was better suited for relief role. They've tried to make him a starter over the past several years, and has had a hard time holding his stuff later in the games, velocity and command, and also staying healthy. Looks like he's really taken off. Uh, the 10 walks and in 19 innings is kind of tough. A 26 strikeouts only allowed of run. First taste of AAA—that's good for him. Um, I'll be curious to see what they do with him. If he could be a bullpen option the way he's pitching, I know he's, you know, regularly sitting in the mid-90s and paying attention to him quite a bit. I've just never seen Columbus's pitching be such a mess. I know everyone's looking for innings because of the pandemic last year. Guys are getting hurt, and you know, the big league roster needs filler. I've just never seen the pitching staff be such a mess uh, not in the last several years. Maybe that speaks more to you know, Cleveland having a young pitching staff up, up in Cleveland right now and, and going through a lot of trials and tribulations. Um, but I think Francisco Perez and, and eventually Nick Mikolajek need to be in Columbus. It's just a matter of if they can create room for them. You know, Manny Alvarez has has really struggled this year. I feel like, um, I don't know, you know, 14 walks in six innings. And Anthony goes, man, 18, 18 walks in 13 innings, 19 strikeouts, but – Man, I wonder what he did. I didn't see any stats in the Olympics. I wonder how that went for him. But that's a ton of walks. Like, that's that's even more than he's had in the past. His command and his control has always been an issue. But that's a lot more even than he's had in the past. And then, then they just added Ben Krauth, too. So <laughs> they just added another reliever to that mix. I guess they're going to have to make some decisions if they want to make any promotions, I suppose.
1: Well, yeah, I would agree, too. And, you know, I believe I watched Jordan Stevens get some innings last week and, Albert Series also another name who's, uh, who has been consistent this year. Zach Draper, Kyle Dowdy, those sort of guys. You know, it's kind of unfortunate Manuel Alvarez was sent back to Double A because I really liked how he can run that fastball up. Um, and so there are just so many options. I think with Cleveland, I really liked how they've developed pitching over the years. But I'm curious how they're going to handle all these names and getting them consistent innings, especially with starters not really going deep into ball games. Perhaps that'll give guys uh, the opportunity if they go to. Uh, bullpen games um, from one, it's at two times a series now that it's six games, um, and you're only going to need four or five starters.
0: And then this week, you get to see Fran Mel Reyes rehab in Columbus. That should be exciting, too. Are you looking forward to that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Huntington's Small Park uh, <laughs> should greatly benefit from his power. You know, he's somebody that I like even with San Diego. He just absolutely, you know, really matured power, and hopefully, with his oblique injury, and, you know, hopefully he is sort of on the upswing and he's uh, on the track back to Cleveland because um, getting him at bats in Columbus um, and seeing how he's going to rebound from this injury uh, from over a month ago. Um, I'm really interested to see how he'll play um, and how he's going to mix in with guys like Andres Jimenez and um, Nolan Jones in that lineup. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. And I'm kind of interested to see how a MLB player, um, if his profile is going to kind of slide into that ballpark this week.
0: Yeah. Major league rehabs, minor league level are, are always very interesting um, a couple, he'll have to, let's see, foot the bill for the food for that week. Usually it's customary for the veteran coming in to rehab is, uh, paying for the clubhouse spread that night or however long he's in there and, uh, you know, talking to him after the game is always interesting too. It seems like Reyes is good with the media, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with the baseball down in Columbus in that small ballpark and put on a good show batting practice at Huntington park this week, uh, is going to be must watch, And I'm sure all the players down there will have their eyes glued to his process and what he does, which is always good for them to soak up um, success from a major leaguer to come in and kind of show them the ropes a little bit. Uh, A good week. If you're not in Akron, if you're not covering Akron, if you're not going to games in Akron, they played well. Uh, That's the good thing. But however, their, their week was wild. They had a couple extra inning games they had some games that just played late in the night that weren't even extra inning games. Um, they won a 12-inning marathon on Saturday, 17-9, where they scored uh, eight runs in the, in, the, in the 12th inning, capped by a grand slam of Oscar Gonzalez, who we just talked about. Uh, they are the first team this year to beat Bowie in a series. Bowie has been in first place all year um, in the AA. I think it's the Northeast. I can't remember what, what division they're in. I, I, I still cannot... Wrap my head around the division name changes, you know, from being the Eastern League, whatever it is. So whatever whatever league Akron and Bowie share, Bowie's in first place. So Akron becomes the first team to beat them in a series all year. They've had a great roster with Adley Rutchman and they just got Grayson Rodriguez, uh, who Akron played on Tuesday. They beat 3-2. But, yeah, a 12-inning marathon Saturday uh, that scored eight runs in the 12, a 17-9 win. Tyler Freeman had a four-hit game. Uh, He's been still going back and forth a little bit with his – he's had a couple games in a row where he's had just one hit, but he broke back out with four hits there. Um, I think they also had like a a three-and-a-half-hour game. I think think they played 10 innings on Sunday as well. So uh, a very long week in Akron for Akron players. Alex Call has been good for them. We just talked about Francisco Perez, who we think is being promoted to Columbus. Nick Mikolajek should not be far behind based on his performance, but like Jacob just said, uh, room in the Columbus bullpen is crowded, and they have to make some decisions if that's the way they're going to go. Um, let's move down to Lake County real quick. Uh, Xavier Curry had a great home start six or six shutout innings. Logan Allen continues to impress. Mason Hickman on Sunday, six innings, nine strikeouts, uh, a shutout ball. He's been really good. I saw him on Sunday, it uh, was about 88 to 91. Has that really slow breaking ball that's about 70 to 72 that really. Keeps hitters off balance and is hard to swing at. Brian Roke, you had a couple home runs on their homestand. He's been looking really good lately. Um, I think he'll start to come around numbers-wise. And Brian Lavastita is a guy I've really enjoyed watching. I'll be curious to see what you think of him next time he comes to Dayton, Jacob, because uh, he did have a ton of hits in this homestand. But really liking his approach to the plate. Fouls off some tough pitches. Puts the ball in plate hard. And his blocking and receiving behind the plate have been really fun to watch. I don't—they have not been down in Dayton yet, have they, Lake County?
1: No, I don't believe no, they haven't yet. I believe they're going to show up. I think in sometime in July, uh, if I'm correct with the schedule, there. I'll bring that up and confirm that here in a second. But no, they haven't been to Dayton yet this year.
0: Yeah, I'll be curious to see what you think if you get to go to a game down there to see what you think of of Brian Lavisita because he's really impressive. The numbers haven't been you know great for him, but. Um, I think I've seen a lot of growth out of him just in his approach and as- especially his defense. They just played Dayton uh, on their last home stand and um, split it three and three. I'm sorry, they won two, three, four. They took four of six from Dayton. Uh, Dayton's had some interesting games this year as well. Dayton, <laughs> that last series they played against Dayton, they lost uh, a game 10 to nine, 14 to five, and they won a game. 14-4, uh, so they've had an interesting series this year with Dayton. I don't know if that has to do with Dayton not having a ton of pitching or, or Lake County just having a good offense and has some rough days pitching, but I guess we'll we'll find out. Um, Lynchburg, real quick, we'll run through. Mike Caprese has had a good return, a couple of home runs this week, uh, coming back off of a hamstring issue. He's starting to play the field again. That's good to see. Daniel Spino turned in another good start. Uh, will Bartlett went down with an injury uh, for Lynchburg on Sunday, trying to make a play at first base. So they're already down on Kenzie Noel, who had a good start to the season. And then now they're down Will Bartlett. So I think Mike is will see more time at first base for Lynchburg uh, because they just have no options. I mean, at first base in this, this organization, Jacob, is just a mess. I mean, Bobby Bradley's up in Co- Cleveland now. But everywhere else behind that this is why I keep thinking, why not why don't they put Nolan Jones at first base more often? I know his arm is good and it's maybe it's wasted there, but first base is just kind of a wasteland in this system. I don't know why they I mean maybe, maybe Trenton Brooks is is worth keeping an eye on because of, of how empty first base seems. Am I crazy?
1: No, I don't think you are. You know, I think Cleveland has some obvious guys who could slide into that role. I wouldn't mind Nolan Jones sliding over there, but When you have guys like Trenton Brooks and Connor Maribel kind of emerging here now as the season's really getting in a full swing, um, you just got to play guys where they lay. And, you know, uh, like I mentioned, there are some obvious fits who I could see playing in that corner there uh, in the infield. Um, But Bobby Bradley, it's really good to see him really starting to swing well uh, with Major League uh, Cleveland, um, especially how he got out to the start in Columbus. I believe he had, you know, close to 10 home runs um, in his time before getting called up. And so it's really good to see him playing well. Um, It's just, uh, to me, I think... Even has the guys who can slot over at first base. They're
0: just not willing to commit yet. Yeah, I guess maybe first base is a last resort with Nolan Jones. Um, I mean, as long as they have Jose Ramirez, he's never going to play third. But Micah Priest has played some first. And Lynchburg, Noel has looked good, and he's obviously hurt. And now, Will Bartlett's hurt. And we talked about Oscar Gonzalez. Maybe it's a fit for first base because there's no, no way, shape, or form sure gonzalez who's playing outfield in the major leagues i mean they they stuck with Melky cabrera out there for a little bit and he was okay but um a couple years ago but man that not a guy i want to see play the outfield long term but as long as he can hit they'll find a role for him uh alexi planez uh had a couple homers this week he's starting to look a lot better uh in lynchburg that's great to see uh liam jenkins had a couple nice uh outing since he got to Lynchburg. I know he's been closer to 100 on the radar gun. He's a big dude who uh, has had command issues in the past, but uh, he's a little bit older for low A. He should probably be in high A based on his age. Uh, We'll see what happens with promotions if he gets a shot to move back up to high A because Lake County has some arms that should be moving up as well. Uh, I think you're going to see some releases closer to the draft because they've got a lot of guys that do have to move up uh, in the bullpen. We talked about it's hard to get guys in the bullpen in Columbus and uh, Akron. We'll need some replacements if those guys go up. Lenny Torres had a good start on Sunday, one of the best of his season so far. Uh, Angel Martinez still looks really good. Um, real quick, let's just let's just kind of throw this out there, Jacob. As you're watching Columbus specifically, maybe other guys in the system. Uh, any guys that you think that are are going to get a look? We're getting close here to the All Star game. Um, that may get a look at, at being in the Futures game, Nolan Jones maybe, anybody else in Columbus you can think of?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think with the Futures game, they really hinge on these prospects who have a lot of highly regarded or high on the MLB.com's list. And so I think Nolan Jones would be one of the obvious choices. Uh, I think if Andres Jim Jimenez is still down with AAA Columbus, perhaps he gets the call to go. Um, I think Nolan Jones would definitely be an obvious choice. Perhaps, um, you know, if they really wanted to get creative, you know, Ares could be a selection Owen well, Miller, if he's still around, Mercado could be one. Uh, perhaps on the pitching side of things, Kirk McCarty, just, you know, if he continues doing his things, perhaps just still earn a spot uh, on the pitching staffs in the Futures games. Um, I'd like to see, you know, DJ Johnson get a spot, Justin Garza continue to perform well, and maybe earn his way onto the team in the Futures game. I know um, that's an event where a lot of guys who are, um, you know, highly regarded, talked up a lot, rank high on MLB's lists and such. Um, get the call to that game. But I think a couple of wild cards um, up in triple A Columbus um, can see their names. Just kind of surprised on that roster.
0: Yeah. I would like to see Gabriel Arias get his way out there and Nolan Jones, especially. Um, I don't know who else from Columbus I can really see making it. And Owen Miller, maybe he's already had a taste, but I'm not sure he's top 100 prospect and they really lean heavily on that. So we'll see. I think Nolan Jones for sure. will get his sec. He was in the um, teachers game in 2019 in Cleveland, so I think he'll get his second shot at it this year if he's not in Cleveland, which I don't think he will be. Um, George Valera, I think, is someone who might get a look there, and I think Tyler Freeman will get a look as well, but we'll have more on that coming soon. Let's get to our questions, and then let's uh, do our, our Player of the Week stuff, and we'll get out of here. So first question uh, from Matan Cronfield, MTK, or MT Cronfield on Twitter, is Trenton Brooks legit? Seems to have plate, discipline, skills, and contact skills. What about the power? Well, we talked a lot about that, but, uh, Jacob, anything you want to add? But we talked about Trenton Brooks already. That seems to be a pretty fair evaluation, I would say.
1: It's definitely good uh, this far into the season. You know, his, his numbers are seven home runs. He's hit hitting .286. Um, his plate discipline, as mentioned in that question, it's something that's impressed me. Uh, it looks legit so far. I would definitely give him some more time, though, however. Um, just to see if he can continue to hit AAA pitching, especially after the promotion not too long ago. Um, but I think definitely if he can continue to hold down first base duties, um, you know, be consistent with his bat, and like we mentioned earlier, he's somebody who waits deeper into the counts, kind of picks his pitch a little bit. And you know, I wouldn't say legit just yet, given that he just reached AAA. Um, but he's somebody to keep an eye on to see if he can be that legit guy. His numbers certainly point that direction. Uh, I definitely want to see some more from him against AAA pitching, though.
0: Yeah, we're all watching with intrigue. That's for sure. I'm, I'm eager to see you and Stacy write a lot about him and, and get to see what he does in Columbus um, as the summer goes on because it's it's like I said worth paying attention to. He's making it impossible not to look his way uh, at the moment. And then Joey Santamia, uh, Santamio, Joey jump off twenty three on Twitter. Any chance we see Nolan Jones sometime this year? I'm going to go ahead and say no. Personally, I don't. I don't see. I don't see the opening for him. I think they would have to make a trade to open up playing time for him in Cleveland this season, um, just with the way the roster looks right now. What do you think?
1: You know, Justin, I I wish I could go and be creative and, you know, be on the other side and say, yes, you're going to see Nolan Jones in September as Cleveland pushes for the postseason. But I think Cleveland's going to hold off on starting his clock uh, at major league service time. And especially with his first taste of AAA coming this year and we saw the early struggles and, He's starting to turn it around a bit, which should be a good sign for anybody following Cleveland Indians um, because this is your one of your top prospects coming up. You know He's starting to show signs of figuring out AAA pitching. Um, I don't think he's ready yet for major league pitching at this moment, whether it's in June or sometime in September. So I think we pump the brakes a little bit on Nolan Jones, especially figuring out where he's going to play. Um, that's a big factor into his call-up process as well. So I don't think you see Nolan Jones in 2021. 2022, potentially, but... A lot of question marks, a lot of things you still need to figure out with Nolan Jones.
0: Yeah, I agree for sure. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, uh, uh, trading him on Twitter, if he was a tradable player, and I said I would not trade him. I think he has too much potential uh, to impact offensively in the near future to trade him. I, I just don't see I don't see any, any trade out there that, that's worth making that includes letting him go personally.
1: Absolutely. I can share that sentiment a little bit. I like, uh, I like all the rave that he gets on these prospect lists, you know, he's had that big time bat for, you know, as long as I can remember in Dayton, he was one of the few guys who could pump a home run out over uh, the, you know, the farthermost fence in Dayton. So his power is just so intriguing to me. I think, you know, in the right deal though, Cleveland should probably entertain offers for Nolan Jones, you know, he's 23, you know, which is still really young, especially in AAA. Um, it just seems like nothing, not, not a whole lot has been figured out about where he's going to play at the major league level on Cleveland's Cleveland's ball club. Um, I would definitely entertain offers though. I wouldn't say he's untouchable. Um, I think, you know, with his skill set kind of developing and we mentioned how his arm is plus, whether it's at third base, but you know, if he's going to contribute with Cleveland, as long as Jose Ramirez is there, um, he's not going to see a spot at the hot corner like that. And so uh, if I'm Cleveland's uh, front office, definitely entertain it. I wouldn't rule that out at all.
0: Yeah, I guess it depends on who who's coming back for them it has to be a corner bat who can hit for power. Cause that's what he, that's what he does. And, they, they lack that in some cases. So, um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Let's get to player of the week uh, for the last week. My picks were uh, George Valera and Daniel Espino. So, George Valera, and of course, as custom, um, our, our second host, always picks the last week's winner, just so it's not biased. Uh, George Valera, 6 for 20, a double, a homer, 3 RBI, and I also picked Daniel Espino, who went five innings, three hits, two runs allowed, two walks, six strikeouts. Uh, Caleb last week picked Xavion Curry. And let me go through, for some reason, Minor League Baseball's website doesn't like pulling up uh, the game logs right now for players. They're having a hard time getting those to stick online. Uh, some days they're good, some days they're not. Zabion Curry, six innings, uh, a home run allowed, two, five hits in total, two runs Six strikeouts, no walks, so a really good week for him. And then let's uh, check in on Will Brennan, who was Caleb's other pick, who I know had another double this week because he leads the league in doubles where he's playing, uh, and a second all of minor league baseball in doubles this year. So Will Brennan, uh, let's see, three hits this week only, uh, a double and four strikeouts, and looks like just one walk. In 8, 12, uh, 16, 20 play appearances, so um, 3 for 20 this week with uh, a double. So, Jacob, it is your call.
1: Ooh, man, Justin, you know, you know, Curry is an intriguing prospect for me. And, you know, going 6 innings with no walks, it's definitely something that I look for uh, when pitchers go out for their outings, is how many walks do they have per inning, and... You know, how many strikeouts do they have against that? And so I think Xavier Curry might have a little bit of an edge on the Spino, but still having six Ks and five innings, three hits. And then I think the offense from Valera kind of beats Brennan just a little bit, having to, you know, almost double more hits if he had three last week and having that home run. So Justin, I think you got it this, uh, this last week for the player of the week.
0: All right. So that puts me up to four for the year and in the field at two. Uh, Willie's got one. Caleb's got the other. So four to two so far. It's a long year. Not counting my chickens. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to this week's picks. Uh, I did not have a lot to go on this week uh, as far as picking guys. You know, it's hard to pick up and down the level because players are getting promoted at different levels, and uh, um, we've had a lot of injuries as well, unfortunately, to go through. I'm going to go with Mike Capriz. He's back on track playing. I guess he's going to play more first base now that. Um, Will Bartlett and Yankensi Noel are out, so they're going to need him. And I'm going to go with Hunter Gaddis. Hunter Gattis, uh, his last start was really good, so I'm afraid he's going to fall off with a clunker, but I didn't want to pick – I don't want to keep picking Logan T. I don't want to keep picking Espino or Curry. I feel like those are such, like, easy picks that, you know, obviously you can get those right because they're good. But I'm going to go with Hunter Gaddis because I, I've seen him, like, a lot this year, and I, I like the changeup, and I know he's due for a clunker because – uh, he seems to have one of those in between a couple of good starts. This last one was really good. But I'm going to gamble and, and hope that it pays off. Jacob, which way are you going to go with this week?
1: Yeah, I remember coming on the podcast a few weeks ago. I went with my AAA pick, so I'm going to do that again. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, whether it's Curry or whichever pitchers who are almost shorelocks, locks. I'll go for the shorelock lock with AAA. I'll go with Kirk McCarty as my pitcher um, for this week because in all of his nine starts, he hasn't gone – Less than five innings, he's been really reliable. And whether he's given up a couple runs, uh, however many times he's gone out, it just seems like he's very consistent. You know, I like those left-handed pitchers. And, you know, sticking with that southpaw nature, I'll go with Nolan Jones as my offensive pick this week. Another AAA guy who, as we mentioned, he's been coming around. You know, he's hitting the ball well. And whether he's playing right field, third base, he's just consistent with that bat. And he's starting to really figure out AAA pitching.
0: Yeah, and a lot of home cooking this week for Columbus. They're playing at home. Uh, Lake County heads on the road. I picked a couple uh, Lake County guys, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I picked Lynchburg. I'm sorry, Mike Capriza is in Lynchburg, but uh, Lake County is on the road. I'm not sure what to make of St. Paul. They're the same record as Columbus, so um, they both have a third. They're, they're very even. They have the same record, and they have the same run differential. Both teams have a negative 34 run differential. Uh, Columbus has scored some more, and, and St. Paul has allowed less, so. That is going to be an interesting series. So we'll see if uh, Kirk McCarty should have the edge on shutting St. Paul's offense down because they only scored 171 runs. And uh, Nolan Jones might have a, have a, his work cut out for him because they've only allowed 205 runs. So um, be curious to see what they make of that. But home cooking should help. Col- you know what? Columbus is 6-12 and 12 at home this this year. What is going on? Usually with that ballpark, they play well at home. They're 13-10 and 10 on the road. Maybe that has to do with uh, the pitching. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's kind of, uh, as we mentioned, that small park there in Columbus is really working against uh, Columbus and their pitching. And as we mentioned, it's kind of been hard for the starters to kind of figure it out. And so when teams jump ahead and they just pile on the runs, it's hard for Columbus's offense to kind of figure it out. And, you know, with guys like Nolan Jones starting to figure it out, and Mercado's coming around, um, it's starting to kind of counterbalance that in a sense. So um, whether it's that home cooking, as you mentioned, um, maybe Columbus kind of p- picks it up this week. Um, they're playing St. Paul who, I know, they have Yon Duran and they're Minnesota, Minnesota affiliate. So they've had some interesting prospects come up. I know they have Brent Rooker, uh, waiting on their offense. Keon Broxton's a name who's been up at the big league level. Um, so I'm interested with this matchup. It's going to be Cleveland's, uh, minor league affiliate against Minnesota's good divisional rival.
0: Yeah. You, uh, I think Duran just went down. I think he just got shut down, uh, due to injury. I think I just saw that on Twitter while we were So. I don't think he's going to be. I have to look this up real quick. Cause so I don't think he's going to be in down there this week. I think he got hurt.
1: Kind of unfortunate to see. I liked his. I believe he's a right-handed thrower, and so he's six foot five. He's he just got a really intriguing frame. And so if he's got that elbow strain uh, that you may have mentioned, it'd be unfortunate. But maybe that's good for Columbus's offense. Uh, kind of counterbalance kind of there.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything. Maybe I maybe I read that wrong. I thought he got shut down. I don't know how to spell his name. I keep spelling it. Oh, it's Johan, so it's okay. J-H-O-A-N. I could have sworn I read while we were reporting this that he was shut down. Yeah, shut down, further evaluated um, due to a forearm strain. Yeah, so we won't see him in this series, but uh, that's, not, that's not good for the Twins. It's certainly not good for St. Paul. We'll see what happens. Uh, I have a feeling without him, your Nolan Jones pick is going to look really, really good. Uh, like I said, St. Paul has one of the worst offenses in that division. So Kirk McCarty could shut him down. We'll see. All right, uh, Jacob, thanks for joining me. Uh, anything you want to plug or add before we get out of here?
1: Absolutely, Justin. You know, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. And for the series coming up this week, I'll be attending a good handful of games. So you can follow my reporting here on Twitter at, AJ, uh, at Jacob Bench on Twitter. And we'll have some game reports coming up this week. So I appreciate you having me on again this week, Justin.
0: Yeah, thanks for being on, and thanks for covering all those home games. We uh, appreciate the reporting you do for sure, and and good info bringing back to us, and uh, definitely good to see that interviews are happening on the field again. That's definitely gonna you know be good for you and your reporting, and and uh, good for everybody to see what's going on down there. You can follow me at jail underscore baseball. Follow the IBI account official underscore IBI. Good time to subscribe. We got the draft coming up um, as game reports. Uh, Jacob's gonna be at a couple games as home stand, so. He and Stacy's Game Reports, you definitely want to read those with all that going on. And as I said, the draft stuff as well. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week.